Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Scott Bowen, who is General Manager of WEBS. Today we will discuss online marketing best practices for small businesses. Scott is responsible for the WEBS Digital Services Division of Vistaprint, which is dedicated to providing online marketing tools to the world's smallest businesses, including WEBS, PageMoto, Facebook Page Builder, and Contact Me. Before joining WEBS in 2012, he spent seven years at OpenText Corporation, an independent provider of enterprise content management software solutions. During that time, he was Senior Vice President of Cloud Services and President of the Digital Media Group. Scott, welcome. Thank you, Elena. It's nice to be here. We're talking about online marketing best practices for small businesses. Let's maybe start out by defining what we mean by some of those terms. Sure. Um, why don't we start with the last one, small businesses. I think there's a couple uh, different ways this can and has been defined. Uh, the way I think about it, and, the, and we're, I think I'll focus most of my dialogue today, Elena, is on companies um, that are quite small, uh, those that would say have 10 employees or less. There are um, other definitions, of course. SMB is an acronym that uh, many will use in here, small to mid-sized business, and depending on who you ask, that can uh, the definition of that can range in size, uh, you know, to perhaps millions of dollars in revenue and, and hundreds of people. But I think for our purposes today, um, I prefer to focus on a definition of uh, 10 or less in terms of employees. And to the other part of your question, uh, online marketing, I think as we, we dig in here a little, we'll uh, talk of essentially about bringing marketing practice out of the physical world and uh, online onto the Internet into a digital forum. There's a couple different uh, forms that can take, and we'll, I think we'll explore a few of those. In terms of defining marketing, if you will, to go a little bit deeper into that, are we referring, say, for example, to building a website? Are we referring to social media? Are we referring to mobile? Where where does that division begin and end? Yeah, yes, yes, and yes, in short. Um, all of those uh, are activities that I think are uh, relevant and in some cases uh, increasingly relevant these days for small business owners. And, you know, I think if we step back and just, you know, tackle your question maybe generally, marketing generally can be intimidating to many small business owners because obviously... Um, in general, their competencies lie elsewhere. They've started their small business, uh, you know, to serve uh, a particular need in the market, uh, to explore a passion that they have, and therefore marketing generally can be intimidating. And if you move then into the online or digital world these days, I think it can add an entirely new dimension of fear, unfortunately, for, for small business owners. Uh, I mean, these are folks in general that don't have a staff, they don't have a marketing department, uh, they may not have lots of, probably don't have lots of technical equipment. Uh, most of these folks are not programmers or designers, and at the end of the day, many can't really afford to hire these people or buy these kinds of resources. So, uh, and I think, you know, one of the, um, one of the things I'd like to shine a little light on here in our discussion, Elena, this morning is, 
uh, that many are aware, many small businesses are unaware that there are tools and techniques available these days that will eliminate the need to do custom design and programming. Um, and ultimately, that will allow a small business to look and act almost as professionally, if not as professionally, as large businesses, but for a fraction of the cost. What's the point of departure? So say that we're looking at a an, an example project, if you will, or a case study, and you have a brand new client that fits the these criteria that you've outlined, 10 employees or less, small to mid-sized business, with no marketing staff. How do you get started? What are the first steps? It's a great question. I think like many things in life, marketing uh, your small business, especially in the online world, is a journey. You know, I think we can start with the basics here and gradually get more advanced. That's certainly what I would advise. Um, you know, the, the metaphors of crawl, walk, run, if you will. And in, in our context, I think um, I would give you sort of three headline labels for the progression uh, that I would advise most small business owners to, to think about. From the most fundamental and basic, uh, get online, to then getting found once you're online, to ultimately investing in techniques to grow your business uh, once you're out there online and um, being identified by your target customer base. What percentage of your resources, and by resources I mean staff time and, of course, a budget, should you be looking at when you get started? Because, of course, you're developing a new brand if you're a small business. You're going out there into the big world competing with everybody else. How do you get started in terms of resource allocation? Yeah, great question. I think the answer will vary depending on the nature of the small business, the nature of the small business owner, uh, and their appetite and sort of sense of exactly how uh, important some of those steps in that progression, if you will, will be. But, you know, maybe maybe let's acknowledge some general fundamentals that need to be in place to start. You, you really just alluded to a few of them. Uh, beyond the obvious, establishing a company name at, at the get-go, there are then the questions, sort of basic fundamentals, visual identity or logo, uh, slogan, uh, service mark, brand promise, these sorts of things that, in general, even if there's low appetite, Elena, to, to take uh, the marketing endeavors online, those things fundamentally need to exist uh, at the start. And... You know, as it relates to that first step and ultimately your question around how much to invest, I think there are three areas I would highlight in that first step, get online, you know, in terms of broad, broad categories, broad buckets. The first is domain name. The second is website design and hosting. And the third relates to social media. And again here, if I'm a small business owner these days, uh, and we study this space. We're quite passionate about, um, you know, the small business owner space globally. We've uh, surveyed the market quite extensively, talked to many small business owners uh, about these same challenges and questions that you're asking. Uh, as it relates to domain name, uh, just under 50% these days of small businesses actually pick a domain name at or before 
or before they launch their business. And so, uh, you know, this is one of those fundamental first steps, um, you know, understanding uh, the importance of that step, understanding where to go to actually get that, uh, that domain name uh, is critical. So we can, we can obviously dig in a little deeper as we, as we talk about the importance of that initial first step of online identity, the domain, because that, that ultimately takes uh, at least two forms for a small business owner, can take at least two forms. Uh, the first is being their online identity as it relates to email, their business email address, taking on that domain. And then, of course, uh, that will be the place where a small business owner uh, would park a website uh, if they chose to invest in one. Within that, in order to get started, they need to figure out if they're going to spend 10% of their time or 20% of their time or more on this aspect of marketing and online marketing, how do they decide that? Is there a range that say, I realize that it's going to vary, as you said, by the business's appetite, but is there a range that someone listening to us can say, okay, it means in order to get started, I'm going to have to set aside 30% of my time a week or 10%, and likewise, I'm going to have to set aside 10% of my budget. How do they move forward in terms of allocating resources? What kinds of expectations should they have in that regard? It's a fantastic question, Elena, because uh, most small business owners would probably tell you, I think, that the most precious commodity that they have is their time. Uh, again, these are typically businesses that don't have uh, hundreds or thousands of employees. And so if you're the small business owner, uh, certainly budget and money uh, can be an obvious constraint, but perhaps time is even more precious. And therefore, uh, understanding these days that there are tools available that will allow the answer to your question to be nominal uh, maybe material up front as you got, and let's, let's maybe explore uh, a website as one of those, you know, sort of the second natural uh, step after domain that a small business would explore as it, as it got itself set up online. Uh, our surveys show that 61% of small businesses have or plan to have a website. So I think that's a really interesting number because the implication is that roughly 40 don't. And so if you ask the question, well, why don't those other 40% have a website, surely we could say that um, some percentage of those probably don't need one based on the nature of their business. Uh, they're extremely small. It's part-time. Uh, they're essentially doing their marketing by word of mouth or, or in a more traditional physical fashion. But for a good portion of the rest of that 40%, I suspect the assumption that the answer to your question is, this is going to take me a ton of time. Um, I don't know how to program HTML. Um, I'm not a web designer. Uh, I don't even know where to start to go find someone to host my website. And quite honestly, I can't afford to spend 20% or 25% of my time on this. Um, and again, part of what I want to shine a light on is that the, you know, there's been such incredible innovation and advancement in the marketplace over the last several years. There are today companies that provide all of these services bundled 
into what we call a do-it-yourself form, where a small business owner with a little bit of, um, you know, patience to go through online tutorials uh, and, and, and such uh, can actually get a website up and running, uh, in our experience, in less than a day. And because we're talking about small businesses here and not uh, giant enterprise companies, the need that a small business would have to routinely refresh and update that website, uh, again, always exceptions um, depending on the nature of the business, but in general, it's relatively small. So that's a long way of saying, Elena, I think the answer to the question can be these days that you don't need to spend a lot of time uh, and energy to get yourself up online, especially uh, with a website. How do you know? Good question. So um, how do you know that uh, you've done enough, maybe, if that's, if that's what you're asking? How do, how do you know that it's sufficient? Um, I think I would, you know, maybe comment a little bit on some of the factors that uh, – I would advise a small business that are important to consider, and let's stay for uh, for the time being on the on the website area. Uh, what are the factors these days that you should be thinking about uh, as you evaluate your strategy and as you ultimately evaluate that that question as to whether you've spent enough time to reach a point that will be satisfactory in terms of your marketing efforts that you'll be successful? And I would say there's a couple of key. Uh, key factors today, in my view, and I'll outline three. Uh, design, modern design, I think for me would be a big one. Um, you know, are you availing yourself to facilities where you've got a rich selection of themes and templates for your website? Um, along the same lines, how important is it that your website design match your identity? Uh, we talked earlier about um, you, you know, the, the potential that small businesses have invested to create a visual identity, a logo, uh, a color scheme or a color palette uh, that they may be using uh, on in-store uh, promotional business cards, uh, other physical marketing. How important is that matching element? So design is a key consideration. These days, uh, media rich is a very important factor, I believe. Uh, great imagery uh, and support for that on the website, whether it's just the facilities uh, to get that great imagery of your own uh, or imagery from stock libraries into your site, uh, embedding video, uh, especially these days. Uh, studies have shown that uh, imagery engages more so than simple text and video, yet again, another order of magnitude in engaging more than uh, even images. Uh, a second important consideration. And uh, third, I talk about, especially these days, uh, mobile optimization. Uh, this is a, uh, a very important factor today to ensure that that website doesn't just look great on desktop, but looks great on a phone or a tablet. Uh, and by that, these days, we mean that it presents itself. That website presents itself differently based on the form factor of the design, of the device. Um, you know, Pinch and Zoom was a great innovation in the early days of the mobile web, but that's a bit passe now. So those fully responsive, to use the, a little bit of technical jargon, 
mobile optimized sites uh, are really where the world uh, is headed. So those are three factors, Elena, that I would I would outline um, in terms of advising a um, a small business owner on where to focus their uh, broadly focus their effort, efforts on their website. Um, and at the end of the day, to, to know whether you've done enough, how do you know? Um, to be clear on your purpose. And again, depending on the nature of the business, uh, answers may vary here. Is the purpose of your site to build brand awareness? Uh, is it to get your contact information and identity out there online? Is it to describe a product or a service that you're offering? Or maybe even these days to go beyond just describing it to actually selling it online, that product or service, in a in an online web store. Um, you know, are you trying to develop a community around your website uh, with your target market, audience, consumers, blogs, forums, uh, and the like? And that that really is a, a segue to some extent into um, a third area I touched on earlier, which is social media. Um, and so if I were to make a few high-level comments here, it would be, um, you know, maybe stating the obvious these days, but social media, it's not just for your kids these days, obviously, and more importantly, uh, it's not just for your personal use. Um, social media networks uh, are increasingly very effective platforms for small business owners to engage their target market. In our surveys, we have seen that 46% of small business owners have uh, either today or a plan for a social media profile for their business. Not for their personal use, but for their business. And we've also asked and done a lot of work here to understand which social networks matter the most in this regard. And by far, perhaps not surprisingly, uh, the most effective, the most important social network today for small businesses is Facebook. And that's followed by LinkedIn and Twitter in our studies. And again here I would say to a small business owner, um, step one, just get a presence on these important social media networks. Uh, a business page on Facebook, um, a visually engaging cover photo, a welcome tab, that describes to your target market and audience what you do, and then there's lots of possibilities for more sophisticated investments beyond that. But you know, to the to the question you posed minutes ago, how does a small business owner know what to you know how far is enough? These are some of the these are some of the areas I would I would highlight in that regard. Let's go back to a couple of things that you mentioned and and sort of maybe put them together. You talked early on about a, a domain and then the next steps being email and a place for a website. And then now you've talked about how important social media outlets are in bringing that the, the customer to your website, if I understood you correctly. Mm -hmm. Can you help us get a better understanding of that in other words, does a small business, a, a tiny business, I'm going to call it for a moment, do they need to have a website of their own? Or as I've seen some people do, can they just have a Facebook 
page in lieu of a website? Why or why not? Or who would it be a fit for and who would it not be a fit for? Because, of course, not everybody, despite how popular Facebook is, many people have withdrawn from Facebook, millions in the United States, because of their policies, their controversial policies. So, of course, many people are not on Facebook. How do you know? Are there guidelines? Are there businesses who absolutely have to be? What can you tell us about all of that? All really, really good questions. And uh, the simple, plain answer is there. there is no one answer. Um, I will say and acknowledge something implicit in your question, Elena, which is many small businesses today uh, are starting on Facebook. They're starting with that business page and business profile on Facebook, and many don't have a website. That would have been unheard of just a few short years ago. Um, you know, that first step, as we've talked about it, just to sort of recap, get online. We'll talk maybe a little bit more about get found, the, the, the next broad category in a minute, but get online. Does a small business, I think what you're asking, you know, essentially, is does a small business need to do all of these things? And I guess I would say, uh, most simply, it depends, maybe not. Many are starting just on Facebook today. Again, the, the trade-off there is that, as you've already acknowledged, not everybody in that small business owner's target market may be on Facebook. And so if that is the only place they have their online identity, they may be missing share. They may be missing the chance to engage and identify themselves uh, with part of their target market. Um, and so... Uh, from my perspective, sort of the the, the full complement of uh, having a website and having uh, a business profile, not just on Facebook these days, but increasingly other social media networks, um, is important uh, and can be very important. And as we sort of think about maybe the underlying implications um, you know, of your question, you know, and, and again, fundamentally back to the, how do you know, if I'm a small business owner, how do I know where to start? How do I know what's important? Um, my advice would be get online first, and then maybe I can take this opportunity to sort of segue a little bit into a, a, a second point I, I called out earlier, which is to get found. And, you know, once you're there online, it doesn't really do much good if people don't know how to find you or can't find you. And so I think there's a few things I might talk about in this regard. Um, and maybe let's start with um, a somewhat basic concept, but one that for, I'll say, almost all small businesses will almost certainly be quite intimidating. And in the technical jargon, it goes under the, the acronym SEO, which stands for Search Engine Optimization. So in short, when somebody goes to Google, for example, uh, or Bing or Yahoo, and puts in a search, how, if I'm a small business owner, do I maximize the odds that I'm going to come back in that result, hopefully somewhere on the first page, because that would be ideal, and there's a couple of different considerations uh, for small business owners here. Uh, basic things um, that, uh, you know, these businesses should understand around adding keywords and descriptions and maybe let me just back up and state something that 
Um, I should say out loud because uh, it may not be obvious, uh, it starts with great content and descriptive content about the nature of your business. And it, it fundamentally goes back to the comment I made earlier about the purpose of your site. But beyond that, then understanding that there are keywords and meta tags uh, that, that need to be um, sort of addressed, uh, submitting a website to search engines like Google and you know Microsoft Bing and Yahoo. In many cases, depending on where and how you've provisioned and set up your website, that may not be automatic. Um, and so again, I'll come back to that point of just awareness here that I want to raise. There are services and solution, met solutions on the market today, many of them, that will package all of what I'm talking about into a much simpler form. Good for the small business to have a basic understanding of this. So as they go evaluate, uh, you know, potential solutions, they can ask smart questions. Will you automatically submit my website to the major search engines, or is that something that I need to do myself? Um, and then getting people, you know, as you get established, ultimately getting uh, other folks out there uh, writing about, talking about you online, and linking back to your website, that will also be another way for, um, you know, a small business to increase its visibility uh, online to, to, to make sure that, uh, you know, their website uh, has a better chance of being found. Um, you know, maybe another point in the, same, uh, in the same regard is that, you know, going sort of beyond the website, if you will, um, there are lots of opportunities out there to create Profiles analogous to what we've talked about on Facebook uh, and LinkedIn, but if you will, listings. There are ratings and, and, and review services out there. And again, depending on the nature of the business, some of those could be extremely important. Yelp could be extremely important to a small business, depending on its nature. Service providers, for example, restaurants, uh, you know, the uh, hotels, TripAdvisor. Um, and there are literally hundreds of potential places where a small business would want to ensure that it was listed, that just the sheer basic um, facts, contact information, location uh, is made available. Uh, Google, Bing, Yahoo, Yellow Pages, um, MapQuest, etc., these are, these are examples, and again, if it sounds intimidating, I'm here today to say that it shouldn't be because uh, small business owners should know that there are players and services in the market that will allow you to, to create that listing once, and behind the scenes, these services will ensure that your small business is placed and listed uh, in all of those various directories that uh, that might be relevant to you. Regarding the social engine optimization, the SEO that you mentioned, is it something that would drive traffic? Say, for example, you mentioned that many businesses only have a Facebook page. Would that be a route? Would that be a good route? to just have a Facebook page and rely on search engine optimization to drive traffic there? What, um, what would you advise in relation to that? And I, again, I would say, as frustrating as it may sound, that it depends. I will, I will make it clear, Elena, that 
uh, if you only have a Facebook page as a small business and you have great content uh, on that Facebook page, so uh, you know not just um, the rich media you'd want to engage someone on the Facebook network itself, but for example, in a welcome tab or even a custom tab that you had great content describing uh, your business, describing your products and services. So the major search engines will crawl, if you will, so Google, Bing, Yahoo, et cetera, um, will crawl Facebook in this example, and when someone, a potential customer, uh, searches for uh, baked goods, for example, uh, in Springfield, Mass., it's, it's possible that uh, that small baker, uh, that their Facebook page would come back as a result, uh, you know, in that search. So, uh, said differently, um, one can get found uh, online via the major search engines with only a social media profile. And if you asked um, my opinion as to whether it would be better to have both, uh, I would probably tell you yes, because it would certainly um, just provide yet another, you know, for all the reasons we've already discussed, yet another um, online identity uh, to ensure you're maximizing your potential reach. I've heard people look at a website a company website, for example, on a social media outlet that, where that's the only thing they have and be turned off. Is there a stigma? It, do, do, does the public in general think less of a company if they only have visibility on a social media site, if they don't have their own blog page or website page? What What is the public opinion, if you will, on that? Yeah. I, my own opinion is I don't think so. I don't think there's a stigma attached to that, um, not a negative one. I think it ultimately comes down to a question of the nature of the small business. Um, if it's a restaurant site, for example, uh, or sorry, if the small business is a restaurant and all that restaurant owner chooses to have is a Facebook page, that may be entirely adequate because in that Facebook page, Clearly, that business owner can get across their identity, uh, you know, their uh, their location and their menu, uh, and can engage their audience by encouraging uh, patrons to that restaurant, uh, you know, to post comments uh, and pictures and photos to create sort of a community around it. So that may be com- completely adequate for uh, a business that is trying to sell hundreds of goods online, for example. Uh, it's likely that a Facebook presence only would be inadequate. Uh, and so I think it really ultimately, it, it comes down in my view, not to whether um, this becomes kind of a, a derogatory thing to, to say I'm going to choose this online identity option versus this other one, but ultimately to back to the purpose of what a small business owner wants to accomplish in this first basic step, getting online. How do you know, still on the social media side, which social media site to focus your energy on? You could be lost, I think, for days on any one outlet. You mentioned three 
specifically Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter in that order. But of course, any one of those could suck up hours of your time. Is it most productive if people focus on one, or do they need to be on all of them? Does it depend on the type of business that they are, service versus product, local versus national, or business type? What can you tell us about that? So let's maybe go to the third as we as we tackle that question, Elaine. If I could, I'll, I'll go back to sort of my high-level journey that we're, we're talking about here, online marketing, best practice, small business, get online, grow business, sorry, get online, get found, and now, last but certainly not least, grow business. Um, I think implicit in your question is uh, a desire, especially this day and age in, um, you know, the landscape of social media networks and the plethora of social media networks to your question, how does a small business owner choose where to spend their time if they're trying to grow their business. And by this, I mean um, engage, find customers, generate leads, if you will, for the business. Uh, And there are ways to do that uh, in uh, all of these social media uh, platforms and tools. Um, Broadly, in my view, they they all share a, a similar characteristic and again, I'll use the word engagement, um, but your ability as a, as a small business owner to invest the time to create content, um, whether it's content of your own or content related to your business space uh, or market that is engaging, and then to disseminate that uh, to a target audience uh, to you know, to create a fan base, if you will, to use that label, um, this specific to to one of the networks, of course. Uh, there are tools out there today that will help you do that in a singular way, so that you don't have to go uh, to each and every one of these uh, social media networks and spend countless hours uh, understanding their tools. Uh, investing in their processes to to disseminate things. Um, there are tools today that will allow you to uh, and help you curate content, um, grab great, rich, engaging imagery um, to create, if you will, posts. Uh, you know, to schedule those uh, and ultimately to track and respond uh, to those um, you know to those posts that you're putting out there in the social media world. So I think. Um, in short, that there are um, there are ways these days, uh, and especially important for small businesses where time is of the essence, uh, where you can optimize um, your reach and your engagement with your target target audience um, by understanding and and using tools that uh, will help help you do this. Um, and then, of course, uh, as you get more comfortable. Uh, as you begin to see maybe these first few steps working for your business, you can choose to get more advanced, if you will, um, investing in promotions, contests, advertising uh, online. And again, these are definitely um, more advanced uh, concepts, uh, especially for small businesses. Uh, there are ways to run promotions and contests, not only in social media networks, uh, but in general off your website. 
uh, again, with the, with the ultimate goal um, of engaging and growing uh, your customer base. Um, there are advertising solutions these days, whether uh, on Facebook, on social media networks like Facebook, um, uh, more traditional uh, search engines like Google, Yahoo, Bing, pay-per-click, uh, display models. You know, in very targeted uh, ways, I think increasingly um, we're seeing that small businesses can be effective here, um, especially locally oriented small businesses where the, um, the target ultimately for those ads can be very, very focused. Would you give us examples of some of those tools you were referring to a moment ago that will allow you to have a presence in various social media sites without eating up all of your small business time? Sure. Um, maybe I'll name a, just a couple at a high level. Um, Hootsuite would be one, um, which would give you sort of that cockpit, uh, if you will, uh, from a social media perspective, to sort of push and listen on the on the backside, buffer is another a little bit more specific. And I would certainly be remiss if I didn't mention the one I'm responsible for, which is PageMoto. Uh, but those are some examples of uh, of tools that um, are available in the market that will help small business owners manage their social media presence and ultimately better engage a target customer audience. Uh, on these social media networks. What kinds of fees are they? Are there these tools costing? Are they free tools or are there fees associated or are there different levels perhaps? Uh, there are different levels generally. Um, I say uh, your mileage can vary depending uh, on the tool. There, there are typically, um, and maybe I'll comment on the one I, I know for sure because I'm, I'm responsible for it, uh, there's a model in the, in, the, in the marketplace we're talking about called freemium, and described very simply, it, it essentially provides in that lowest first tier, the free tier, an ability for a user, a small business in this case, uh, to enjoy certain basic uh, features of a tool uh, for nothing, for free, to sort of get your feet wet. Uh, and then ultimately, as value is perceived and realized, to matriculate up to a premium uh, or four-fee uh, subscription level. Uh, and typically, uh, there are a few, uh, if you will, sort of starter, mid-level, advanced. The, the labels will vary depending on the, the tool and the vendor that one might be looking at. Uh, in the world I'm talking about, uh, for small business owners, um, we're talking about uh, not hundreds or thousands of dollars a month, which is, I, I fear, what many small businesses perceive they might have to pay for things like this. But we're talking about tens of dollars, uh, you know, a month to get um, access to facilities that will greatly enrich a small business owner's presence. So they can be very cost-effective, um, said shortly. Looking back at the big picture process that you described is of establishment, get people to find you and then grow that. I think you talked about promotions and lead generation, including advertising. What can you tell us about those? I think at the highest level for many small businesses, this is an area where um, penetration rates, if you will, 
are quite small. And what I mean by that, Elena, is that um, most small businesses, especially those of the size that we've described here, you know, 10 employees or less, probably today aren't spending a lot of time and energy here, principally because they assume it's out of out of their reach. And um, some of the major uh, advertising networks, if you will, uh, are working hard to try uh, to get their tools and platforms to a point where they can work not just for large enterprise and big brands, but small businesses as well. And then there are companies, um, like some of the ones I've mentioned, like mine, that are working uh, to essentially build tools that will sit on top of those networks and make it even easier to do and even more targeted. And so... Uh, I think I would say at a very high level that um, if a small business were going to invest in advertising, traditional online advertising, they should go in with their eyes wide open relative to their ultimate goal. I would suggest these days at a high level, especially if a small business is just starting here, that um, the goal should be visibility, awareness, and brand. You know, just reaching um, an audience from an impression perspective uh, can have value. Now, directly attributing that value to your small business and, and, and whether you can sort of connect that dot, I spent X dollars on an ad and I got Y new customers or Z increase in sales, Quite honestly, these days, that may be, especially for small business owners, very difficult and challenging. Uh, and over time, those facilities will evolve. Um, attribution, the ability uh, to do that, that mapping uh, will get better. But ultimately, for a small business owner, uh, it can initially be about um, awareness uh, and the fact that somebody saw an ad, uh, you know, your ad as a small business owner across their news feed in, in Facebook uh, or saw it perhaps uh, displayed on a website they visited. Maybe they didn't click through and engage and come directly to visit that small business owner's website or Facebook page, but they saw it and maybe in the back of their mind it, it, it resonates because a week later they're walking down the street and they decide to stop into that shore into that store, or they're exposed to that brand in another medium, um, you know, physical uh, or otherwise. So it, it's an area that, uh, I again, I think I would summarize by saying is probably the hardest. Um, ultimately, I think, um, will become the most important for small businesses that have an aspiration to grow. Some don't at the size we're, we're talking about. You know, they're happy to be sole proprietors, one, two, three people, uh, lifestyle businesses. But for those that aspire to go from five to 10 to 50 to 100, ultimately investing online to grow your business with advertising, lead generation um, solutions, it's, 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 going to, it's going to become important. What role, if any, do you see public relations playing within that? marketing, that big picture marketing plan? For a small business owner? Is that the question, Elena? Yes, yes exactly. Yeah, I think, um, I think in, the, in the formal sense of the, of the definition, so engaging a PR firm or 
public relations professional. Um, I think, again, depending on the nature of the small business, it can be time and money very well invested because ultimately there's a, there's a dimension that cuts across everything we've talked about here, uh, which is great content and increasing awareness uh, for the small business. And PR, of course, um, I know, as you know, can take many forms. Um, and in our context here, um, PR and awareness building about a small business that makes its way online can greatly benefit a small business owner, uh, whether it's simply, um, uh, you know, that small business getting described in, in, in certain media and certain places on the web where they wouldn't otherwise be, to the fact that uh, great PR these days, uh, especially online, uh, and, and effective content will link back, as I discussed earlier, to the online identity for that small business owner, and ultimately that will be a virtuous circle, if you will, that will allow that small business owner's site to become enriched and uh, ultimately to rank better over time as it relates to organic uh, search. In other words, uh, you know, for people that go into a search engine and are looking for a certain type of business, increasingly with great content, PR being a, a very important uh, way that that can happen to uh, to sort of elevate that small business owner's brand. What can you tell us about hackers and security? There is so much in the news lately about attacks on the very, very largest of companies, but also that is affecting very small companies. The hackers don't seem to discriminate and favor only the large companies. What kinds of issues do these micro-businesses need to be aware of, and how can they protect themselves when it comes to attacks? Well, yeah, huge question, one that we could literally spend a full hour exploring. Um, I think if I were to to try to summarize some high-level thoughts uh, in a few minutes, I would say for small business owners, the good news these days is unlike years ago where small businesses would have to invest in technology platforms of their own and manage those, including this dimension of, of, of security that you're, you're referring to, Elena. I think today the good news is that most of what a small business owner needs, um, they can procure and secure as an online service or a cloud service to use uh, the technical label themselves. And the providers on the other ends of those cloud services uh, are very, very, very focused on this issue of, uh, you know, security and malware and hackers these days. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll put on my, my hat of the business I'm responsible for. It's something uh, we have an entire team devoted to on our side. So. In short, I would encourage small business owners um, to be smart and aware of the issues and ultimately to entrust um, their business in this regard to the right partners who have the right security provisions behind the scenes to, to prevent these sorts of um, disruptions uh, from happening. Now. Uh, there's a lot of bad people out in the world that um, we read about in the, in the headlines every day um, that are breaching major companies, um, you know, big banks and retailers around the globe. And so it will be an ongoing fight. And, uh, you know, there's 
he's probably never going to be a, a perfect uh, 100% guaranteed bet for a small business owner. And yet, um, picking the right partners, knowing that companies with deep resources and pockets that want to ensure that these sorts of protections for their customers, that's, that's the way to go. Along a similar vein, privacy issues are increasingly coming to the forefront with so much monitoring taking place from so many sides. What would you share with our listeners about privacy issues, both on the side of their business and on the side of their customers? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think uh, as we look at privacy in the context of some of what we've been talking about here today, uh, I think there's, um, you know, let's, let's touch on uh, that third element that we spoke about, which really gets into customer engagement. And so, uh, you know, there are going to be small businesses out there that are collecting very, um, I'll say, sensitive information about, uh, you know, about their customers. And ensuring that they are using those sensitive bits of information in the most appropriate ways uh, is going to be critical, meaning uh, the last thing you want to do as a small business owner is to breach the trust that you have established or beginning to establish uh, with, a, with, a small, uh, sorry, with a, a small business customer. Uh, and so simple examples here, and I'm trying to, to focus the conversation very much on the issues that I think would be most germane to the world's smallest businesses. Uh, you're collecting contact details. How are you using those? Hopefully you're not selling them off to others. Hopefully you're not sharing them without, um, uh, you know, the permission explicitly from, um, you know, from your customer. Uh, in certain locales around the world, because the privacy rules vary greatly, uh, depending on the country uh, and region of the world that we're talking about, Let's take another uh, small business example. You have an email address that you have secured somehow, some way from your customer. You would like to engage them uh, in an email campaign. You would like to let them know about uh, a new announcement, a new opening, a new promotion. Has that customer opted in? Have they agreed explicitly uh, you know, to allow you to send that uh, email message to them? Depending on the privacy rules in the country um, we're talking about, the answer may vary. So, um, so in this regard, for small businesses in particular, I think those are um, those are certainly important factors. Um, obviously, certain types of small businesses are collecting very sensitive personal information, uh, including credit card numbers, et cetera. And again, there I think I would state quite simply what I stated a few minutes ago. Um, ensure that you are entrusting that point of sale uh, piece of your uh, small business to a provider that will give you the highest level of assurance about the, the protections that are being provided for, uh, for your customers' confidential financial information and identity information. There is a new domain that is specific to the Hispanic market. It's a .soy. Are you familiar with it? I am. .soy, uh, not 
to be confused with uh, stuff I love to put on my sushi, but rather uh, I am in Spanish, of course. So, yes, I am familiar, Elena, with that. And maybe, um, maybe I can spend two minutes very briefly and just provide a little bit of general background and context before I describe what dot soy is and, and why it might be of, of interest, perhaps, to some in the audience. Uh, so a really quick uh, general background on what are called top-level domains or extensions uh, on the Internet. And most, uh, most folks, I think, are probably aware that there's about, I don't know, a half dozen or so, in my opinion, that many are aware of, .com, C-O-M being, of course, the most obvious, .edu, uh, .gov, .org. You know, originally, there were about only a couple dozen of these, and there is an outfit um, called the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. That's a mouthful. Um, ICANN for short, the acronym, I-C-A-N-N. This is a nonprofit organization that simply describes, basically regulates or coordinates um, a bunch of stuff related to the Internet, including domain names. And so a couple of years ago, in 2012, ICANN invited um, people and companies to apply for new global top-level domains, new extensions. And about 2,000 or so were submitted and the rollout of these new top-level domains uh, started last calendar year at the end of 2013, and it's going to run, you know, for about five years. And there are all sorts of new top-level domains that are just beginning to come on uh, to the market. So some of the ones that, um, you know, people may be aware of because they're beginning to get a little bit of visibility. The location-based ones, you know, cities in particular, .nyc. If I wanted a domain, scottbowen.nyc, if I lived in New York City, I could secure that. .paris, .london, uh, the big brands are securing their own top-level domains. So .nike, .mcdonalds, for example. Um, there are... Uh, you know, domains like .ski and .guru that are coming on around certain interest areas. But at the end of the day, said simply, what is a top-level domain? The intent of a top-level domain or an extension is to help consumers understand generally what a website is supposed to be about, right? .edu, about education, higher, higher ed these days, .gov, government, right? .mil, M-I-L, military. So... Uh, so all of these um, new top-level domains will be rolling out into the market over the next several years. And now with that context, if I come back to .soy, this is one of those new top-level domains that uh, has just been launched by Google. So Google is one of the companies uh, that has applied for roughly 100 of these new top-level domains. And this is one of the first ones if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the first U.S. top-level domain that they have launched. This was launched uh, on October 16th um, of this year, 2014, and essentially is, is intended by Google, the vision is to provide a place on the web, a destination to celebrate Hispanic culture regardless of the country of origin. And so the, the goal here would be 
that when you as a consumer visited a site that ended in .soy, you would know that it was created with a Latin audience in mind. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's, um, it's worth understanding and knowing about because this, this new push to roll out thousands of new top-level domains is really in its early innings. It has just really begun. Uh, you know, there's some awareness building around some of the ones that I've just spoken about. Um, and again, they vary from location-based to interest-based, that those are really, those like .soy that are really around, um, uh, you know, celebrating um, certain cultures. So to give you an example of a few others that are like .soy, um, there's .desi, D-E-S-I, for persons of Indian or Pakistani uh, descent who live abroad. Uh, .pars, P-A-R-S, for the Persian community. .eus, uh, for the Basque language uh, community and, and, and cultural community. So um, I think it provides a very interesting opportunity. Uh, .soy specifically, uh, for folks interested in either celebrating, uh, you know, their own uh, Hispanic um, origin and culture, uh, and potentially over time, as if not more importantly, targeting, um, you know, the fastest growing um, population in the United States, targeting a Latin audience uh, with a dot soy site. When you say a Latin audience in the United States, is this language specific is it bilingual it's a great question and so let me let me give you um, my view of sort of the technical answer just so um, all are clear some of these top level domains are restricted as as we say meaning I can only get a dot NYC domain if I can show that I live in New York so if I live in Los Angeles I shouldn't be able to get a .nyc domain. Now, .soy is an open domain. It is not restricted, and therefore anybody, in short, can get a .soy domain. And the vision, um, again, and I'm 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 describing this uh, as a uh, as a third party, not as not as Google. Um, I don't represent Google, and I, I'm essentially describing, um, you know, their vision as they applied for and launched this new top-level domain to essentially be this place to celebrate, um, you know, Hispanic culture and ultimately, uh, you know, to be used by certain um, companies and small business owners in our context to target a Latin audience. So, you know, could someone in Spain buy a .soy top-level domain and use it? Yes. Um, do you have to put up Spanish language content at a .soy site? It might be expected. Do you have to? No, you do not. Um, I think in general, um, many, as, as we talk about the, you know, the U.S. Uh, Hispanic population, many small business owners are, are obviously targeting um, not only Latins, but non-Latins. And so the desire to have a place where you can describe your small business um, 
in Spanish and in English, for example, uh, would be very necessary. But there are, Elena, in short, no explicit requirements at all here. It is essentially, um, and this is what will be very interesting. I mean, we're talking about uh, something that was launched in mid-October uh, of 2014, and it's still as of today, very early, uh, but this is going to be a bit of a grassroots evolution to see whether this takes hold uh, in this community and whether small business owners embrace it, whether big brands embrace it. What significance is there to the fact that Google owns that top-level domain? Does it have any kind of an impact in terms of accessing an address, a domain for a company? Is there any challenge reaching the domain, if you're not using a Google-friendly system, what can you tell none, us about that? Yeah, none whatsoever. So, um, to some extent, it's not even really relevant that Google was the outfit that originally sponsored this. And to, and to maybe, the risk of getting a little too technical here for a few minutes, there's something called a registry registry, I'll say it again, and this is the outfit in this case, Google is the registry for .soy. Now, most small business owners and most people listening to this don't need to really even understand that because if you wanted to buy a .soy, secure one for your own use, you would not go to Google to get it, ironically. You would go to what's called a registrar, and that registrar is an outfit that has established a relationship with the registry, Google in this case, for .soy, and is authorized to basically sell you a .soy domain. And there are hundreds of registrars in general for domains. There's not hundreds for .soy just yet, to be clear. There's probably, I would say, somewhere between half a dozen and, and, and a dozen. Don't hold me to that right now. But there there's places you can go. So if... Someone listening um, is interested in exploring a .soy domain. Where would you start? That might be a question. Well, today uh, you could go to iam.soy, iam.soy, and that would allow you to basically put in a, a you know a potential domain name that would end with .soy. And if you wanted to buy it, there'll be a very easy way for you to select one of the handful of registrars today that would allow you to buy it, go straight to their site, and essentially secure that domain. Buy it and own it, essentially. Who would you advise get a .soy domain? Are there any guidelines to help people decide, well, should I get a .com, should I get a .soy, should I get both? Yeah, it's a great question, and again, I think that's the, the, the sort of organic grassroots nature of this. So um, I, I, would, I would feel ill-advised, Elena, in all honesty, to advise folks at this stage on who should, who should get one. It is early days. Um, I think broadly there are, from my perspective, um, two categories of parties that I think um, can and will be interested in .soy addresses. Um, those whom, as businesses, uh, quite honestly, whether small, medium, or large, I know we're focused on small, small in our discussion today, but this comment relates to all businesses, but if the business itself, the business owner, the fabric and the culture and the nature of the business 
you know, relates to uh, Hispanic uh, culture uh, in general. Um, certainly, that's one category of obvious interest. Um, the second category is those businesses beyond the first category, where this is most obvious for the first category, but those businesses whose origins may not be uh, Hispanic in nature that have a desire to target, you know, one of the fastest growing populations in the U.S., I think there's a lot of potential um, play down the road uh, as perhaps this top-level domain and others begin to get more traction and awareness for companies to put up companion sites at .soy. I'll say, um, perhaps self-servingly, that we have put up a .soy domain, webs.soy, in the hopes that we can appeal to uh, small business owners, um, you know, of uh, Latin descent who want to create uh, a fabulous website uh, in a very simple and cost-effective way. And just like we've done this, there are many other um, consumer products and retailers and, and others that may choose over time to set up an address at .soy as well. How do you get your physical marketing in line with your digital or your online marketing, or, or do you? Is that important? I think it can be. Uh, it's something in particular that I and the company I'm part of uh, at Vistaprint are quite focused on. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fancy labels that run around in the enterprise marketing space for this, multi-channel marketing, omni-channel marketing. Simply described at the end of the day, I think the opportunity for small business owners these days is uh, to essentially look at the complementary nature of uh, online marketing endeavors with offline or physical marketing endeavors. So, and again, depending on the nature of the small business, do you have a storefront? Uh, you've got signage. You've got, uh, you know, perhaps uh, physical paper-based marketing materials. You may have um, promotional apparel, you know, T-shirts and mugs and things like that. So the visual identity the brand identity that might be inherent in many of those physical marketing uh, elements, to weave that in consistently from a brand and a design perspective to your identity online, whether it's your web website or your Facebook profile or um, how you're reaching customers, whether it's through traditional email marketing campaigns or today's more progressive social media um, engagement strategies, I think small business owners, um, you know, can and should increasingly think about, um, you know, the ability to kind of come full circle in those marketing endeavors. And there are ways, uh, and again, this would probably go into the category um, of, of more sophisticated, where uh, you can tie a physical paper-based marketing campaign to an online campaign uh, and essentially target uh, perhaps the exact same audience um, in both mediums and ultimately track track your effectiveness. So at a high level, Elena, I would say it, it should be a consideration. I know most of our dialogue here today has been about online marketing and digital marketing and uh, ultimately thinking about how any investments a small business chooses to make in that regard might tie into the more traditional physical offline marketing investments they're making is 
is really important in my view. What can you tell us about measurement? How do you know, and I know sometimes it's difficult, you talked about linking and add to actual results and the challenges that that presents, but what suggestions would you share with our listeners who want to know what's working and what's not, where to pool their resources, where to pull out, how can you measure the effects of what you're doing, how long should you wait, etc.? Boy, hard question, great question, and I think my summary answer, my headline would be, it's hard, right? It's hard for big companies uh, with lots of resources, lots of people, lots of tools to do this effectively, and so um, short answer is it's really hard. I think my my advice to small businesses would be um, test and learn, meaning, uh, you know, Pick a very specific um, medium or promotion or campaign. Understand what your goal is. And again, I know we touched on this earlier. Is your goal just brand awareness, making sure that people will recognize you? Is your goal to try to drive traffic into a physical store? Um, Are you trying to get people to buy things at your online store and therefore you're running a promotion? You've got a discount. You've got coupon codes and promotion codes. So there are, um, depending on the nature of the campaign and its goal, there are ways uh, to certainly track. Um, I mean, if you run an online ad today or if you pay for search engine marketing today, there are summary um, statistics that you can can access, of course, uh, to see how effective that spend was. You can You can see how many impressions you got. You can see how many clicks you got. You can ultimately um, use that data to sort of inform either specifically uh, if you had a promotion code or a campaign code. In other words, if somebody had to enter a certain coupon code with your small business, um, then you would be able to very directly attribute in that example the effectiveness of that campaign if you were measuring it based on sales lift for example. Um, But in other cases, your goal may just be brand lift. And here's where it gets tricky because, you know, investing in um, tactics that will elevate your brand may bring you more business over time, but in ways you can't directly attribute. And so sometimes it's um, it's just sort of going with it and saying, you know what, I... I can't prove it to you 100% for sure, but I have a hypothesis that if I spend some money and time and energy here in this way, that will broadly help my reach uh, over time in my business. What three tips and suggestions, resources, information, would you share with our listeners, Scott, that they can take away and practice at their business, at their project, if they're getting started or are looking to brand themselves online? So I think I'd, I'd, I'd start, Elena, by saying that when it comes to marketing today, small businesses are able to look and behave just as professionally as their larger competitors for a fraction of the cost. And I would encourage folks not to be scared, not to be intimidated with a little know-how and use of the right tools. You can even do much of it yourself today. Um, Number two, I'd say, um, you know, be aware of the new top-level domains that are coming onto the market, and in particular, uh, the new .soy top-level domain that we've discussed today. 
um, if there's a certain domain name you've always wanted but you couldn't get it because, like most today, it was already taken on .com, then check out some of these new top-level domains. Check out the new .soy address uh, because my guess is, especially right now, um, you're going to find it. It's going to be available, and that may be uh, a desirable place to put up uh, to put up your small business. Um, and maybe lastly, I'd say, um, you know, if uh, if you want to stand up a a great website at that new address. I'll put in a I'll put in a shameless plug for a really terrific, um, easy to use builder and some some great social media marketing tools. Um, you can find those at either webs.soy or webs.com. Thank you, Scott, for joining us from Lexington, Massachusetts. Thank you, Elaine. It's been a pleasure. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Scott Bowen, who is General Manager of WEBS, who discussed online marketing best practices for small businesses. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicMPR.com. That's editor at HispanicMPR.com. Pr.com.